whenever anybody accomplishes success and results, you have a team, the team comes together, they focus on each other, they work together towards a collective goal, and then they see success. And so if we just focus on the success and we skip over that people part, it's where it's where we fall short. It's where disaster occurs. It's where we fail to meet expectations. Be interested over interesting. Be relational over transactional. Be others focused. Next time you walk into a room, instead of saying, hey, everybody, here I am, find that one person and say, there you are. Now, some of those that know me best might be a little confused as they hear me say these because they might say, Hampton, I don't, I don't know if you really do that very well. And I'll be the first to say, it's a struggle for me. Um, and I'm always trying to learn and grow. And one of the people that has taught me the most about this subject is our guest today, Josh Swing. And so when I say wake up and lead, like when I talk about leadership, oftentimes we think of the guy or girl standing on a stage in front of thousands of people casting a vision. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sure, that's a huge part of leadership. But if you can't lead one person, if you can't care about one person's story on a really deep level, then how on earth can you effectively lead hundreds and thousands of people? The, the answer is you can't. And so I think we all have something to learn from Josh when it comes to relationship-based leadership. I will waste no more time. It's time to wake up and lead. So every guest I've had so far, I've told a quick story of how I've gotten to know them and how we ended up on the show today. It normally dates back to about three months to maybe two years. This one is going to go back over a decade to middle school Hampton. I was a huge basketball fan and I would go to every Vestavia Hills high school basketball game and watch this guy and his brother absolutely dominate. And I wanted to be him when I grew up, except I stopped playing basketball in ninth grade because I was like five foot nine and couldn't jump at all. But anyways, Josh Wing, welcome to the show. Man, am I flattered and blushing right now if the audience could see me reliving some of those glory days. Hampton, I, um, I'm imagining little middle school Hampton in the crowd cheering me on and I am just fired up, man. So I can't wait to hop in our conversation today. I'll bring it full circle on when me and Hampton reunited, um, Hampton as a upcoming senior at Sanford university walks into the wild spark office for his first day of his WildSpark internship. And I had a little bit of insider knowledge on Hampton because I know his sister, Arden, uh, works with our sister company called Fire Seeds. And she gave me the green light to, to mess with Hampton a little bit. I asked her like, hey, can I pull a little prank on Hampton when he comes in? And she was like, absolutely, as any older sister would. And so... <laughs> Uh, we pride ourselves at WildSpark on being extremely relational and caring and want to add value to every single person. So the last thing that you would expect us to do is to send an intern on a coffee run. And that's exactly what we did with Hampton. He walked in within 30 seconds of him walking into the WildSpark office for the first time. I said, Hampton, your first job is to walk around and get everybody's Starbucks order and go to Starbucks, get our drinks, and bring them back to the office. And it was extremely challenging to do that with a straight face. I'd also prefaced everybody with what was going to happen so that they came up with the most complicated Starbucks drink orders ever. It's something that we still laugh about in the office today. I'm not a terrible human being. I did stop him before he left. I didn't actually make him carry out the mission of 
ordering everybody's difficult Starbucks orders, but it was a good time and the start of something beautiful in our relationship. (laughs) The start of something beautiful. And what's so funny is I I actually was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll go get coffee because Josh is as much as he was trying to mess with me. He's just so kind that he like, he he couldn't be like, yeah, go get his coffee. He goes, so normally with our interns, just on Tuesdays, we ask them to go pick up coffee. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm happy to do that. And then they all like, erupted with laughter at the end of like, we would never have you do that. And the funniest part is Cord, our CEO was not in on the joke. And so when he saw this happening, um, he wasn't thrilled. So it was, it was a funny thing to look back on. <laughs> it may have been the only time in my wild spark career that I was scared. I may be fired when Cord <laughs> came around the corner and realized what was happening. And he was just furious uh, and almost ruined the entire thing. But um. <sighs> glad we work at a place that values people and that wouldn't actually send people to get Starbucks orders as part of their job. Yeah, absolutely. But if you end up interning for us one day and you want to go get us coffee, we will let you. Um, I, I, won't I mean, I have no down. problem with that. I won't turn it no. down, but okay, <laughs> let's hop in. So Wild Spark, we have had the opportunity to um, serve many different Chick-fil-A's over the years. And a huge part of that has been Josh Swing. So a previous guest and a previous WildSpark employee, Josh Etris, said um, this quote along the lines of, if you're faithful with something for four to five years, really big things are going to happen. And I think that's just going to sum up Josh Swing's relationship with Chick-fil-A. He has been faithful and served them for four, five years, and some really cool things are happening. So Josh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd be happy to dig in and just share a little bit of my personal experience with Chick-fil-A. And like you said, Hampton, just the mindset of stewardship and how I've tried to be really faithful with that relationship over the past handful of years. But first I'll go back to the very beginning, just to add some context for our listeners. I think it'll make my relationship and then even your relationship now with Chick-fil-A make a lot more sense and what we get to do here at WildSpark. And so starting as a company here at WildSpark, a lot of our inception would be credited to uh, Cord having a conversation with Dan Cathy, which I won't go into too much detail on. You may have Cord on the podcast at some point, our CEO, and so he may share that story in more depth. But inspired in Wild Spark, a lot of things: the way that we care for people, the culture that we create, even our our vision and the purpose that we serve. If you look at Chick Fil A's uh, corporate purpose, their corporate purpose is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us to have a positive influence on all who come into contact with Chick-fil-A. Well, then if you shift focus and look at the wild spark vision statement, it's to glorify God by building multiplying movements and multiplying leaders. So I like to say that Chick-fil-A paved the way for companies like us to uh, use our work as an opportunity to ultimately glorify God and to put that at the front, at the forefront of our vision. But then also To make our business, while yes, we sell a online platform for leadership, all about people and impacting lives. And so that's where really where Chick-fil-A's first uh, uh, notes of influence show up in the WildSpark company history. But then fast forward a couple of years, Josh Etris, who you mentioned, came on board and our relationship with Chick-fil-A would not be present if it were not for Josh Etris and his bias towards action as he was stepping into his sales role for the first time. And he can tell this story better better than I can, but uh, he just called up a couple of operators who were willing to give WildSpark a chance. 
Um, and then from there, uh, he saw a massive amount of success in reaching out to even more operators and beginning to build that relationship. And then when I came on board with the team a couple of years in, uh, after the the company started, um, Josh Etris entrusted me with that Chick-fil-A relationship to begin taking ownership of it. And so that's where my personal relationship with, with Chick-fil-A starts. And so I have to first give credit where credit's due. It wouldn't be possible without one Cord Sachs and then two Josh Etris and, and both of their um, impactfulness that they've had with that relationship. And I'm just trying to, to live up to the hype, to live up to the legacy that both of them have left within Chick-fil-A. But yeah, I, I started just having conversations with Chick-fil-A. What we get to do through WildSpark is um, put a system in place for maximizing the leadership potential of teams and allow them to own it internally. So they get everything that they need to not have to invest hours and hours and hours and hours of time coming up with content and delivering it and holding the team accountable and thinking of what we're going to talk about as a result of the content we're going through. We do all that for them through WildSpark. So um, being faithful in the little things is something that's been a theme for the entire relationship that I've had with, with Chick-fil-A. It's in the small conversations with the individual owner operator of a specific restaurant in a specific area of the country, or not even the operator, maybe it's their right hand man or woman that's thinking for this within the restaurant. And so it's those conversations multiplied over time that's allowed uh, us to build this relationship and ultimately have a ton of impact. So I guess the first, the first lesson through uh, through this Chick-fil-A relationship would be um, faithfulness in the little things. And um, Hampton, I'll keep it rolling. And then if you want to ask a couple more questions, you can. But uh, because we've been faithful with a little, we've been entrusted much. And so now we're at the point in our relationship where we get to play a significant role um, in the leadership development for Chick-fil-A's across the country. So we've served over 400, which is incredible. Um, it's a lot of people and a lot of teams and get the opportunity to go and participate at events with Chick-fil-A leaders uh, who are there. It's a very tight knit culture. Uh, they're very selective of who they let in because they're very protective of what they've created so that they can maintain that culture that they've created. And so uh, we've now built trust and credibility with them. So we've had the opportunity to step in and, and even add value. So we were just together last week getting to travel, which is one of my favorite things that I get to do at work is travel around the country with Hampton Dorch. But we got the opportunity to speak to an audience of over 200 people about building a leadership bench and what that looks like and add value through establishing connection with their teams and playing some fun games that illustrate what connection looks like. And so, yeah, the list goes on and on for things that we've had the opportunity to do as a result of that relationship with Chick-fil-A. And as you know, everybody's trying to be like Chick-fil-A in whatever industry that they're in. We get the opportunity on sales conversations with hundreds of companies outside of Chick-fil-A. And as soon as we mention, oh, we help Chick-fil-A build leaders, they're like, you've got to be kidding me because we want to be the Chick-fil-A of construction or we want to be the Chick-fil-A of schools or the Chick-fil-A of banks or fill in the blank, whatever industry it is. So yeah, it's been a super cool opportunity, one that I'm extremely grateful for. Mm. And Josh is really humble. He has been a, a huge part of that. When he says we got to speak to the Houston market, the largest market in Chick-fil-A um, with uh, tons of different stores, it was actually him. So Josh uh, <laughs> gave a presentation on 
building an unstoppable bench. So we talked about succession planning and really thinking about the leader behind you. And it was super impactful. And we're excited to be able to serve um, some of the stores in the Houston area now. So you said something, Josh, we hear this on all of our calls because we work with tons of Chick-fil-A's, but we work with tons of organizations really in, if you name an industry, we probably work in it. And when we tell them they work with Chick-fil-A, they usually say, oh, we want to be the Chick-fil-A of XYZ industry. And so I think some of some questions that people have is, well, what is what is their secret sauce? What is Chick-fil-A's secret sauce? Which brings me to my next point. I'm about to plug another podcast. Keep listening to mine, of course. But if you want to find another one, <laughs> I'm kidding. If you want to find another one, listen to the Secret Sauce podcast by Josh Swing. He is interviewing a bunch of different owner operators and asking them um, what their secret sauce is. And a huge part of that, Josh, I don't want to steer your thunder, but I feel like it revolves around people. So what are some what are some things that you've learned in your podcast? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, what's crazy is working with Chick-fil-A has even shaped my secret sauce as a leader. So that's the premise of the whole podcast that I get the opportunity to lead and host is the the name of the podcast is a secret sauce podcast. And it's because I ask all of these Chick-fil-A owners, what is your secret sauce when it comes to leadership? What's the unique value that you add to your team um, where you are most valuable as a leader? And I mean, there's a lot of different things on those those podcast episodes, I'd encourage everybody to go check some of them out. But there's some unifying elements across all the episodes. And at the heart of it, it really goes back to the mantra that Chick-fil-A released a couple years ago. And that's to be the world's most caring company. Um, at the heart of all of their success is this genuine level of care and this passion for understanding and knowing who people are and where they come from so that they can add value to them to ultimately have a positive influence on them. And it's just something that you can't fake. And so there's a lot of companies that come along. They're like, we want to be Chick-fil-A. Um, but really what they mean by we want to be Chick-fil-A is like, we want to see the revenue and the growth that Chick-fil-A has seen. <laughs> and that's just not how it works, man. Uh, the revenue comes after the investment in the relationships and the people. It's just the way that it works. Uh, we had the opportunity to to hear something from Simon, Simon Sinek recently. And he was talking about even the cadence of that, like whenever anybody accomplishes success and results, you have a team, the team comes together, they focus on each other, they work together towards a collective goal, and then they see success. And so if we just focus on the success and we skip over that people part, it's where it's where we fall short. It's where disaster occurs. It's where we fail to meet expectations. And so, man, they have they and the collective they of all these individuals within Chick-fil-A have inspired me to prioritize relationships and stories and to slow down before you go, before you speed up. And what I mean by that is like we have, I'm assuming that everybody that's listening to your podcast, Hampton, has this intrinsic motor, right? This motivation, this drive to want to make as much of an impact as they possibly can and that can be a significant weakness if we're not careful because we try to go so fast and we skip over really the most important part because we want to get to the results. But in reality, if we don't have a foundation of connection with people, then the results are likely never going to come or they're just going to be very fleeting. We're only going to experience them for a short season and then burnout's going to happen and we're going to be back to square one. So slow down, invest in people, ask story, um, 
it's just going to take time. You have to invest the time to establish that connection. There's just no easy button. There's no other way around it. And Chick-fil-A has helped me realize that. And it's why they're, they're doubling down on it. So at no Chick-fil-A conference that you go to, are they going to talk about food order accuracy or drive through speed? Although they're excellent at all those things, they focus 99.9% of the time on their people. And then all those other things come. They're in the business of people and they do it through chicken sandwiches at every single store. And, and it, it's crazy. And people start they get it out of order in that Simon Sinek video we watched the other day. Um, you, you know, you look on someone's website and it's, oh, we care about our, our clients, our shareholders, our community and our people. See, we care about our people. But he says, well, that's out of order. Your people have to be number one. Start there and everything's going to fall into place. Chick-fil-A does that better than anybody else. Yeah. And um, recently I've had the opportunity to reproduce some some of these Chick-fil-A conversations down to you. Um, a little bit of multiplication, Hampton. You've had the opportunity to lead um, some calls with Chick-fil-A operators. And man, I loved it. The first one you got off of, you were like, I'm sick. I hate it because because they're so incredible. Um, it makes all the other conversations like pale in comparison um, because not everybody gets it. So man, I'd love to hear from you as you've experienced your your first handful of conversations with uh, within the culture of Chick-fil-A and even getting to go to your first you know Chick-fil-A focused event here recently. What are some of the things that you've learned? Have you seen that you know theme of care? Um, in the same way that I have. Y'all, Chick-fil-A is its own ecosystem and I, I've been blown away by it. And the thing is, is I spent my first two years at WildSpark talking to anyone other than Chick-fil-A. Um, and, and if you're listening to this and, and you're an HR, you're a CEO, like I love you and you're an amazing person. Um, and, and But all that to say, it it takes a lot of, of effort to one, even get on a call with someone. And I get it. I'm in sales. You don't want to talk to salespeople. You have business and everything. But like, Chick-fil-A, there's just this level of care for their people that is not normal. And so when I said, quote, I hate this after my first Chick-fil-A call, <laughs> I was like blown away by the level of kindness. I typically am going to start like a sales meeting by asking someone to hear some of their story. And I really mean that. I learned a lot of that from Josh. But as soon as I finished their story, they said, well, Hampton, tell me your story. And, and they asked follow-up questions. And I'm like, what is happening right now? It's just another level of care uh, for people. So, I mean, it, it, my job already working in the leadership development space um, doesn't really feel like sales. Um, but typically when I'm talking to Chick-fil-A, it doesn't feel like sales at all because we both agree that, hey, our people are our biggest priority and it's really, can WildSpark help us with what we're trying to do? And um, thankfully, the, the answer a lot of times is, is yes. So, Really excited to be able to learn a ton about Chick-fil-A from you, Josh, and you've done a great job of setting the stage for all of us. Yeah. There's times where I get off a call with a Chick-fil-A team and I'm like, did I just, did I just do a Bible study? Like, I'm not sure what that was. <laughs> it didn't feel like a sales call. Uh, I agree more. And I think what you said there, Hampton, I want to highlight something that you said. We're going to have a host off because we're both hosts of podcasts. So <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be interesting, but uh, you, you mentioned like prioritizing story. You asked for story at the beginning of every call. I think that's so critically important. And even in the, in, in the order in which you do it. And so you lead with story now because of what you learned and the impact that you've seen from it has caused you to continue to do it. Um, 
But if you are not asking people their story before you talk about anything else, then you are missing out on so much value that you get to learn from and connect with around people. What's really hard though, is to get two or three calls down the road with somebody or to get, you know, three to six months into a relationship and realize that like, man, I don't know anything about them because I never asked them their story. And then it's awkward, right? It's like, I don't want to go back. I feel like I'm supposed to know everything about this person now at this point. And I just don't. And so I think the longer that we wait, the more difficult it gets to establish that connection too. So the order in which we do it, kind of going back to what Simon Sinek said, the cadence in which we follow for people and connection is, is critically important. So I would encourage everybody from like a, just a sheer mentality perspective, when you feel that pull to like jump into conversation with somebody around any different number of topics, like catch yourself, go back to story and then get into whatever topic it is that you're focused on. So, and, and I, I have learned this from you. Like I exaggerate. Um, and <laughs> some of you may be shocked to hear that, but I exaggerate a lot of things, but Josh Wing is more relational and focuses on other people's stories more than anyone I've ever met. I promise you that. And so if you're, if you ask someone's story and you don't, if you don't mean it, do yourself a favor and just don't ask. <laughs> so first thing, like be genuine when you're doing it. But this is, this is what I'm talking about with Josh. It's the, it's the kind of deal where he has a call at noon and it's already 1201. And I walk into his office and ask him a question and he spends a few minutes answering that. And of course he wants to respect the person he has a call with, but he cares about me. There's like this rhythm of like walking at this slow pace in life to be able to like really care for the people around you. I mean, every morning when Josh walks in, he's fist bumping everybody. He's asking them how their weekend was. And I've just learned so much from him about it. I think sometimes I like almost get frustrated. I'm like, dude, like stop being so nice to me all the time. <laughs> but like Josh is the kind of employee that you want. I mean, when, when I think of like culture, that's a buzzword a lot that people overuse. But if you want your culture to be in a good spot, it's, it's relational people like him that you want to be there. So Josh, I know I'm just buttering you up right now. Um, but relationships, like if, 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 if you have a superpower, I would say it falls in the relational category. What are, what are, talk to me a little bit more about your philosophy behind being relational. Yeah. I'll, I'll start first with a warning before I dig into some of the different elements of being relational and how I strive to do that every day through every conversation. I will say that like our strengths can quickly become our weaknesses if we're not careful. So Hampton, you just highlighted that I get so caught up in the moment and in the conversation that it can work against me sometimes where like I can fall through and fail miserably on other commitments that I've made that make somebody else maybe feel less valuable because I don't have the oversight to get out of that conversation respectfully and honor that other, that other time that I've committed to. So uh, for my like hyper relational people that that y'all are like, man, Josh sounds like my person right now. Like we're spirit animals. Um, that's something that I would caution you with. It's like, yes, keep doubling down and being as relational and playing to those strengths, but also be aware, be very self-aware of the repercussions that it could have if you're not very careful with setting up guardrails and white space around some of those conversations. Um yeah, but but relationally, really the root of it, um, Hampton, and I know we'll have listeners from all different walks of life. I don't know if if you're listening right now and you're a person of faith or not. I I personally am. And so 
uh, I look up to Jesus is one of the greatest examples of, of leadership. And I think even if you aren't a, a person of faith, you can look at the life of Jesus and learn a lot from the way that he approached life. And a couple of those things is just like the pace at which he moved through life. He started one of the greatest movements or the greatest movement the world has ever seen through Christianity. And, uh, and he was never hurried, like never rushed, never denied like anybody a conversation. He was always slow and intentional and focused and fully present with wherever he was. He was where his feet were at that point in time. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from that in the hurried culture that we now live in. There's this constant tugging, like this tyranny of the urgent, which always feels like there's something else that I got to get to, or I'm constantly thinking about what's next so I can keep moving myself forward, but take a breath slow down, be where your feet are. Don't miss out on the moment that you're in. Cause what will happen is you'll get to the end of your life and you'll think, man, I really wish I would have maximized those moments more. I really wish I would have lived it up while I was there and didn't wish away my life getting to getting to the next thing. I think it like, and then like even just a, a level of personal humility that, that he displayed also when you look at um, the life of Christ after he was resurrected. So after he was crucified and resurrected, uh, Jesus could have easily came back and like went on the biggest stage and been like, I'm back everybody. Like, look at me here I am. Uh, but he didn't do that. Like he chose to spend time with people who would be considered lowly in their society, just like humble people eating dinner with folks with a very limited amount of time that he had. And so I think it's a, a testament to the genuineness, I guess, of being relational. It's really difficult to fake if you just don't, honestly care about people so you have to so it's a, a big part of the root of it but then also just I, I believe in the power of presence um that nothing says i care like looking somebody in the eyes like listening eliminating distractions where there's distractions everywhere right we got our smartphones in front of us there's a thousand different pings coming through on our computer or maybe there's sports going on in the background at home or uh, kids are yelling at you, whatever it is, there's plenty there. Our world is, is not short of distractions. And so we have to be really focused on how we're leaning into people. Um, I heard Ryan leak at the conference that we were at say that most people cannot name five people in their lives that are effective listeners. Um, and so how do we, how do each of us strive to be somebody who someone else would list in their in their top five of effective listeners because those are the people that make the biggest impact on others. It's the people who truly listen, uh, and then and then listen to understand versus listen to respond immediately. So, those are a couple of the elements behind story being relational. And what I've seen through my career is that leads to the results. So if I will connect on some connect with somebody on a deep meaningful level, whether it's internally with the team it's so much easier to call them to more. So if I'm, if I'm trying to set expectations for somebody on the team, doing that without that connection is, is almost impossible. Um, they're seen as probably a number and not as a person at that point, but then also externally through most of my career has been focused from a, from a sales perspective. And so just seeking to understand who people are, where they're coming from, what challenges they're experiencing, how can we help and serve beyond just, pushing a product and and whatever that looks like in your sales specific role. But um, 
people feel that. And listen, people want to work with and continue to partner with people they like. And so just be likable, I guess, is is what the the parting wisdom that I'd leave you with around relationships. Mm. I'll be rewinding that several times and listening back to it. And yes, um, maybe you're not a person of faith listening to this podcast and that's okay. But if we do look at the, at the life of Jesus, he'd moved with such a slow pace. And if you look at Peter and some of the stories and some of the other disciples, they're always pulling him like, come on, we got to go. And um, I, I see that visually through the chosen that I've watched recently. And Jesus will slow down and talk to, um, the lowest of these, you know, in society. And, and Josh, like I've, I've seen you do that and I've learned so much from you in doing that. And like, for example, quick story here. And and by the way, we've talked a lot about Chick-fil-A, but I'm going to transition back to here real quick. When you're in sales, you're thinking about numbers a lot and you have numbers and goals to hit and everything. But there is a Chick-fil-A that a lot of times Chick-fil-A doesn't bring us the, the, the highest amount of revenue but we continue to serve them. We always will um, just because we learn so much from them and we're so aligned and we want to serve and help them. But Josh, how about you tell us about uh, one of the, one of the smaller deals that we just had um, where the director was, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. So there is a, a director for a Chick-fil-A. So director for those that, that aren't immersed in the Chick-fil-A culture would be, one of the highest levels of leadership within the restaurant, typically directors, executive directors, they're thinking for the restaurant as a whole or over a specific department. Um, and so this director in particular uh, was at a Chick-fil-A who hasn't seen the profitability recently that they would like to see. Um, and because of that, the owner has said like, Hey, like let's, let's pause spending currently um, to get where we want to be profitability wise before we begin doubling down and reinvesting in some of those things. And so this director heard that we were in conversations around WildSpark and we're already kind of down the path of investing in WildSpark to expand leadership capacity for some of his top level leaders that were on his team in the restaurant. And uh, man, I would love to, I would love for everybody to aspire to be like this leader. He actually got on a call with me and, and I thought it was going south. He was like, yeah, we're not going to invest right now. Profitability. We got to get it up. And I was like, I understand. I've heard this story before. I'm here with you. We're, we're going to go through it together. But then he stopped, pivoted and said, but I am personally going to pay out of pocket for the top five leaders that are on my team to go through WildSpark together. And that just rocked me, man. Mm. Um, it was a little bit convicting because I thought, man, do I care about my team enough to invest my own money in their growth and development? I think that's a great question we should all ask, especially if you're leading a team. Um, if you were put in that situation, do you care about do you care enough about your team's growth to personally say, hey, listen, I am willing to put skin in the game for my end because I care so much about you all. Now, the idea is that they see tremendous results and exponential growth over the next three months. And it's incurred as a business expense and not a personal expense at that point. Um, But for this season, that's a tremendous investment. Man, I love that story. Um, Would you be willing to put skin in the game for your own team? Um, Great story. Uh, so, so, So next question, or this is an idea. So you may be listening to this and you're like, well, Yes, like I, 
I want to be relational. I want, I want everyone in my organization to, to be relational and care about their people. And I feel like I do that, but I have 50, a hundred, 300 other people. How do I do something like that? Well, um, we're going to plug wild spark here for a second. We want to create, um, a scalable opportunity to be able to do this. And so I'm going to let Josh speak into um, how, how we're helping organizations be able to do something like this. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll share a couple of ideas that I have around this for organizations that can implement. So if you're leading a team of a significant amount of people, you're probably asking yourself at this point in the podcast, yeah, this all sounds great, but I only have so many hours in the day and I can't ask 500 people what their stories are. Um, and I understand that. So how do we do it at scale? Uh, I think, I think WildSpark internally, we model this really well, Hampton, anytime we onboard somebody to the team, um, and you're nodding your head, cause you know exactly what I'm about to say. We have what we call a story lunch. So we reserve time for all new team members to have an opportunity to share their story with the entire team. Now it's on individuals from there. We'll connect one-on-one and, and ask further questions about that story, but it's at least an, an initial, introduction to saying you are cared for here we value you we want to hear your story we want to know more about you and then we want to ask questions as a result so i think that's one very practical step even wild spark aside that everybody could take um, and that may look differently based on your unique structure organizationally and what you could do even departmentally with with something like that but with wild spark specifically there's tons of tremendous content but where we recommend that everybody starts with is with story and with relationships. So really this, this principle that we're talking about over this entire podcast episode plays out within WildSpark. So if you were to invest in something like WildSpark, we would say, hey, let's start with building this extremely meaningful, deep, connected culture within your team. And you everybody would do a 30-minute lesson. And I think what's what's really cool about WildSpark, it helps you clearly articulate that story in a concise, efficient way. So talking about scalability, maximizing time, it helps people do that um, as, as quickly and efficiently as, as stories can be. And then it provides a channel to be able to talk about that. So you do the lesson, you think critically about your own story, and then you come together with a small group of people, which again, scalability. You're going to do this in multiple teams across your organization where everybody is having these conversations with each other that you now feel like you have five strong, five to 10 strong connections and relationships within your team because you've just shared your story and you've heard the story of others. And countless number of times you've you've heard this too, Hampton, we'll have people that have been working together for like a decade, like 10 years. And they're like, I didn't know any of this about anybody on my team because we did the story lesson. I now really know my team. It sends levels of trust through the roof, which sends results through the roof. Teams are just vastly more effective than they ever thought that they could be because they now have this really strong connection. And I love even Hampton, the experiment that you're doing right now, I call it an experiment uh, with you have a massive LinkedIn presence and you've built a following because you've been diligent and consistent with adding value within the community of LinkedIn. And, uh, and we've had the opportunity to just connect with incredible people. And, um, you, we've done, we did this story lesson recently. I'd love to hear even your perspective on it and then how you also see it playing out in organizations. Uh, 
I've been blown away by it. So typically the story lesson is just one of the lessons we provide within WildSpark as Josh talked about. So this would be happening within an organization. But one thing that WildSpark looking into the future and Court, if you're listening to this or Corey, uh, don't hold me to this or product engineering team, but we might want to create something that um, also speaks to the individual as well. Maybe your organization uh, won't invest in something like this. So that's a whole nother conversation. But if you want to stay there, um, we want to provide something for you. So an experiment for that has been where we've allowed, um, I said, Hey, I want 10 people to raise their hand on LinkedIn and say, who wants to grow as a leader? Um, who wants to do wild spark for free? So well over 10 people said they wanted to do it, but we had to pick 10 and we went through the story lesson together. So what it looked like is everyone did it on their own, like Josh talked about, but then we came together as a team and I was blown away. It was really refreshing for me. And it actually gave me a lot of joy to, as a reminder to see that this is what um, organizations across the country are able to be able to do. We we built really meaningful connections with these people. And, and some of you may even be listening to this right now. We are really thankful for you. And this has um, just been extremely encouraging for Josh and I, but people are, um, pe- people will get vulnerable and share some, some encouraging things, some, some hard things. And it just when you connect with people on that level, that's what we all crave as humans. We were meant for community with one another and that doesn't happen in the workplace. And unfortunately you're spending most of your waking hours there. And so why is it not? We want to help you do that. Um, and we're thankful for the opportunity that, that the story lesson is able to, to, to help you do that. Now, transitioning slightly, we start with the story lesson typically because we want to build a foundation, but Josh, where are some other organizations going after that what are some options they have to continue on with wildspark man the list is endless hampton i mean any different number of leadership topics that you could think about from how these teams are handling conflict how they're holding each other accountable how do they give feedback what does their cadence of feedback look like to having a successional plan in place for everybody in the organization imagine if every single person on your team had a plan for how they were reproducing their skill set into the next generation of leader. You would never have to worry about hiring again. Like you would you would have a huge extensive leadership bench of people ready to go and step up and and lead in ways that are better or, or just as good if not better than what's even happening right now. So all kinds of things like that, but I I know that we may be biased uh, we get really, y'all, we get really excited about WildSpark, but I do believe it is the best use of $45. It's the best $45 investment you can make in anybody <laughs> on your team for them to get to go through WildSpark and you to go through WildSpark as a team together. So man, shout out WildSpark. It's, uh, it's incredible. Yeah. We'll, uh, we will, we'll calm down on, on talking about our thing here, but I mean, it's, we can talk about this because we do this. I mean, we do this internally and the results of it um, really lead to a fantastic culture of people that care about each other. Um, and, and and we, uh, our CEO just told us everyone had their dream session. That's something that every employee gets to do midway through the year to just talk about what are their goals in a year and three years. And they, they meet with their CEO. And he said, the number one thing that I got back from basically everyone of, Hey, why do you enjoy working here? It's the people. Um, and so we're thankful that wild spark, Doing WildSpark internally gets to play a part in that. Josh, the last thing I want to ask you, though, um, is is I want to hear a little bit about your personal life. I mean, you're so you're so filled up at work and, and you love other people well, but I know you're not just doing that here. You're doing that 
at home as well. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I wish I could take all the credit for it, but I actually have an incredible family at home that fills my tank and gives me energy. And so that's why I'm able to step into work every day and pour out and give energy to the team. Um, but the phrase, how you do one thing is how you do everything comes to mind, Hampton. You're somebody who lives and breathes that. Like you inspire me a ton by seeing the way that you are faithful and diligent and consistent with everything, whether it's your health or the way that you lead Erica or the way that you do your job at wild spark, whatever it is. Um, and even speaking of, of fitness, me and Hampton have got to travel twice getting in hotel gyms with Hampton. Your life will be forever changed y'all. Yes. Um, you so may not good. make it out of there, but <laughs> you'll get better. I promise. Um, but, but no, man, I, I think that, um, that phrase is, is totally true. Um, we want to live a holistic life as a leader, um, a life of integrity. And what that means is living out of every area of your life. So yes, I want to be the most effective leader at WildSpark that I can possibly be. But that means absolutely nothing if I am not the most effective husband that I can possibly be to Aaron, if I'm not the most effective dad that I can possibly be to my two kids and the one that's on the way right now. And so- yeah, man, I, I think it's just, it's what we've talked about this entire episode, just not in a work context, in a family context instead. It's maximizing the moment. It's putting your phone away, right? For, you know, a day or a couple of hours at a time so that you can really enjoy the moments, be where your feet are, um, date your spouse, coach your kids, um, all those things that ultimately are going to make life fulfilling. I know that I've had countless conversations with leaders that were later in life mentors that have shared the wisdom that all of the success, all the money that you can earn, all the notoriety that you can get, all the influence that you can accumulate means absolutely nothing in comparison to your health and the relationships that you have with your family outside of work. And so, man, that's where I put my priority. Um, I have to be put in check. Sometimes I get really excited about wild spark and, you know, we all fall short sometimes. Sometimes those priorities get out of order, but always come back to um, family first and then all the work stuff will follow. Mm, so good. Well, I, I see you practice that. I mean, uh, I think Josh's uh, wife and couple kids come to the office once, once maybe every two weeks at, at the at the least and bring them Chick-fil-A, of course. Uh, so it's always good seeing them there. Well, I want to end this by personally thanking Josh in front of everyone for when I'm a you know middle schooler and watching you play basketball, seeing you work hard, I learned from you there. I wanted to be like you when I was an intern in college and didn't know where I wanted to go with my life. And you said, I challenge you to go where you're going to grow the most. I think Josh was being a little biased because he knew the answer was WildSpark. So I ended up working at WildSpark. <laughs> but then even everything you've taught me about sales and being relational and then now getting to learn from you about Chick-fil-A, Josh is a successional leader and he's pouring into me right here, right now. So thank you for your impact on my life. Yeah. Hampton, I'll, I'll wrap us up here and pay it back to you, man. Thank you for committing to leading yourself every day to the best of your ability, but then also to leading others. Um, you live that out at the highest level. I'm thankful to get to work with you. Um, thanks for doing this podcast, man. I know that people's lives will be drastically impacted 
impacted. Their trajectory will change because of some of the things that you're talking about on this podcast. So stay the course, man. Keep elevating. Um, thanks for having me on. I can't wait to see you in you know, a little bit when I walk outside of my office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds good, man. All right, see ya. All right, folks, I have one action step for you. Be more like Josh. I typically expect to talk for about 10% of the time on these podcasts because I'm asking questions and everything. Well, Josh starts asking me questions back. I mean, he just can't help but be relational. So we all have something to learn from him. I encourage you to check out the Secret Sauce podcast where he interviews Chick-fil-A owner operators. You will get a ton of value from that. And the last thing I'll say is when you think about leadership, when I say wake up and lead, yes, do big things, cast a vision to a bunch of people, lead a lot of people. But in order to have a chance of doing that well, you've got to be where your feet are and lead one person at a time by genuinely caring for them. And if you don't know how to do that, rewind and listen to every word Josh says a hundred different times. It's time for you and me to wake up and leave.